Okay, ladies and gents, is everybody ready for this session? Yeah, cool. Everybody fueled on coffee, tea, Diet Coke. Uh, I know that there's quite a few Diet Coke drinkers in there. Yeah. Let's, let, let's have a whip whip for Diet Coke. Okay, whip whip for coffee. Yeah, coffee wins. Coffee. Oh, tea, sorry, whip whip for tea. Oh, okay, we got a new winner. What about the cold, the cold kind of regular water drinkers? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think it was tea. I think it was tea. Tea, tea, took, the, tea took the win. Ginger tea. Okay, what, what for ginger tea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vanessa. Okay, well, I'm pleased that you're all fueled for this uh, second session on values. We're thinking about um, church and church unity, especially. Um, John Stott. I'm sure many of you will have read his commentaries. Um, sadly, he's got, gone to be in glory. I shouldn't say sadly, he's in glory. Um, but he, he wrote these words. I wonder what you make of them. The church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. I wonder what you make of that. The, the, church, the truth, thank you. Um, the church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. Just kind of raises the stakes a little about what we're doing this weekend, but also what we're about as All Saints Peckham. Right at the center of the eternal purposes of God. I wonder whether you currently hold the church in such high esteem, or perhaps, sadly, whether scandals have made the church seem like a less attractive obligation maybe, rather than a joy. Well, in this session, I want to share just like a tiny, teeny, weeny bit of theology on the church. We call that ecclesiology. And in so doing, we're going to see why we should care so much about being united at All Saints Peckham and why we should be fighting for one another. So the big question then, what is the church? The Greek word for church, ecclesia, means assembly. And um, in the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it was used all those years ago for God's people assembling around his word at Mount Sinai. And so since then, whenever God's people assembled around his word, there is the church, which is why we say in church whenever two or three are gathered. And we, we like saying this if the congregation's quite small, like, oh, two or three are gathered. There's the church here. Hallelujah. Uh, we have church. And that's why even in the Old Testament, we could say there was church. We just didn't call it church back then. Uh, needless to say, there is a huge difference between church and church buildings. The church the Bible speaks of is the church of God, God's people. And it's completely different between brick and mortar. Now, uh, as an ex, well, ex, I studied architecture. I wasn't an architect. I don't want to give myself a higher... <laughs> Um, title than I, than I had, but I appreciate buildings. Um, it was nice, I was over there, uh, Juliet, when you were in here and you were commenting on the, the interior architecture contrasting with the exterior facade. Um, it was nice overhearing your thoughts. Uh, but a building can't put its arm around me or jump for joy with me. Only the church of God, the people, uh, can do that. And in the Bible, we're told that each of us are stones with Christ as the foundation. 
we're thinking about church. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And again, I just want to ask you, have you thought of that before? That you, individually you, as a Christian, you have been called to something much bigger and better than you are on your own. A brick or a stone on its own. It isn't that memorable. But when it's fit together with loads and loads and loads of other bricks or stones, it becomes something quite amazing, um, like the pyramids or St. Paul's Cathedral. Pretty awesome. But just a stone on its own, hmm, you'd walk past it. And it's important that we know we're stones, not bricks, right? Um, because bricks are all cut in a uniform way. And it's not very nice to say, I'm a brick. <laughs> You're a brick. That's not what you are. You're stone. Um, and stones are all different. All different. And we've got to remember that. Like God shaped you how he shaped you. With all of your unique quirks, your personality, God loved shaping you the way he shaped you. We're not uniform. We're not cut the same. And when brought together, we're truly eye-catching. Nobody in this world was created to live alone. Absolutely nobody. It's certainly true of the church, but it's true of the whole world. God, who made every person, is a relational God. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the first community. And you just imagine God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before creation. They always were. There never was a time when they weren't. And they're always interrelating, bouncing ideas off one another, loving one another. Just a perfect community of love. Sometimes you will hear people say, oh, God only created us because he was lonely. That is so far from the truth. God's never been lonely because he is community, the first community. And he created us, therefore, because he wants to invite us into that eternal community. How loving is our God. How good, how inviting is our God. He's also the God who says, be one, as I and the Father are one. And it's worth us just pausing again and asking ourselves, do we think about that as much as we should? When I walk through the doors at a service at All Saints, am I just thinking about my day? What I'm going to do after the service? Or do I start to allow this deep theology of community, of identity found in community, seep into the plans I have for my day? Be one, as I and the Father are one. So we thought about the church as building but I also want to think about the church as body. And the verses that I'm going to be sharing are from 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul primarily uses body language. I don't know if you've picked this up as you've read through 1 Corinthians before, but there's so much about body. There's so much about a lot of things in 1 Corinthians. It's a really exciting read. You've got kind of stuff about the resurrection. We love the end chapter, don't we? Uh, you've got stuff about sex. You've got stuff about incest. You've got stuff about singleness and marriage, stuff about division. There's loads of stuff in 1 Corinthians. 
but body language, soma in the Greek, it runs the whole way through. I think body is mentioned 46 times throughout 1 Corinthians. So let me read verses 12, um, of, sorry, chapter 12, verses 12 to 13, and then I'll jump through to 27. So you've got your Bibles open, 1 Corinthians 12, you might want to follow along. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 13, and verse 27 says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Amazing verses. And I, I want to be careful here, but these verses are strongly suggesting, and I'm being careful, but it is near enough impossible to be a true heartfelt Christian and not be a part of a local church. Now, being careful, I'm not emphatically saying that's the case, I'm just saying it's, it's almost the case. I don't know if any of you have ever been told emphatically by a friend, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and maybe you've been chatting to that friend, and they'd started speaking about the Bible, you're really impressed with their Bible knowledge, but then later on, they'd said to you, oh, no, I don't go to church, I don't have time, and, uh, you know, everybody at my church is an accountant, <laughs> kind of boring, I don't want to go there, sorry if you're an accountant, um, <laughs> we need accountants in church, okay, I just want to be heard to say that, it's hard finding treasures, I've really dug myself, um, I came, I came from my, my curiosity church, everybody was an accountant, so, um, yeah, um, sorry, <laughs> just let me go on, I'm getting some evils from some people, I'll just look down at the notes, Greg, don't have eye contact, <laughs> um, but anyway, whenever I hear that, kind of that thought, um, somebody saying, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, I have this really weird image that kind of flashes across my mind, and um, for your sake, I didn't put an image of this on the screen, um, but it's, it's an image of an amputated hand or foot. Um, so you're, you're pleased that I didn't put an image of that on the screen, because it's not very nice. Um, but you're probably thinking, well, you've just slagged off accountants, but now you're talking about that. That's a bit weird, Greg. <laughs> I don't know if we want this guy as our new vicar, um, thinking of amputated hands and feet. But uh, the reason why I have that thought flashing uh, through my mind is because of this passage on body. And it's because Christians who don't think they need to go to church, in many ways they're choosing to amputate themselves. As Christians, we're called to grow to maturity in Christ. And 99% of the time growth is spoken of in the Bible, it's corporate. It's not individual. Um, perhaps a nicer way of me saying this would have been to use that imagery of removing a coal from the fire. Probably heard that imagery before. You know when coals are in the fire, they're all glowing, um, orange, you know, hot, and then you take a coal out of the fire and very quickly um, it loses its glow, and then you put it back in the fire and it restores its glow. But I, I can't help it. That image was in my head, and um, I think that's what the passage is getting at. So some more verses from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 17 uh, through 20. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Um, there's a story of uh, one golfer, and he could hit the ball miles. Uh, so far, in fact, that he and everybody who is standing on the tee box with him would lose sight of the ball. Um, it's not a great thing to, to, I guess, have as a golfer because you want to be able to find your ball. But anyway, he'd hit the ball miles. Somebody said to him, look, although we can't see where the ball lands, I know somebody with amazing vision and they will be able to find your ball. And it just so happens they work as a caddy. So next day, he arrives on the tee, and this friend has hooked him up with this, this old caddy. And he, he looks over and says, right, you up for the day? And this caddy there, he's standing, um, and he's got these thick glasses, really, really thick glasses, almost binoculars with little beady eyes behind the lens. And he says, yeah, 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 I'm ready, I'm ready, let's go for the round. And so anyway, this guy hits this ball, and it goes miles and miles and miles. Everybody else standing on the tee box loses sight of it. And he turns around to the caddy, he says, you got it? Yeah, yeah, I see it. I can see the dew on the grass it's laying on. No problem. And so they get in the buggy and they're driving to the ball. And they're driving to the ball. And they're driving, they're driving. And the golfer, after a while, says, this is ridiculous. Uh, where's the ball? At which point the caddy says, my eyesight's good, but my memory's not as good as it used to be. <laughs> as Paul says, what good is one big eye if the rest of the body doesn't function properly? So how does this imagery translate to us being church? You see that if everybody in the church is a part of the body, then we all need one another. It's a body. Body needs its different parts. We need our differences. They complement our own. That's how God has made us. And um, I do hope that in the question time we'll think about needing one another's different gifts. That's very important. But just for a few moments now, I want us to address the fact that as church, we simply need one another. Before we think about gifts, we need one another. We're dependent on one another. There's this wonderful verse in Galatians chapter 6. I'm sure you'll know it very well. Verse 2, it says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So simple. This is for us as church. Bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. We're to care for one another. In this room, there's all saints because that's what Jesus wants. It's his law of love, if you like, to care for one another. And if we love Jesus, then you know that should be enough for us. But the verse goes beyond the explicit bear one another's burdens. Obviously, implicitly, it's, it's talking about the need to share because you can't bear unless you share, right? We each have burdens. We're hurting. Physically, we've got a sore knee. Carrying the groceries up the stairs is, is a huge difficulty. Emotionally, maybe. We're touchy. We're struggling to manage all the weekly chores with the extra burden of going to that funeral or dealing with an unhelpful plumber, leaky roof, whatever it is. Spiritually, we feel ashamed because of giving in to that recent temptation. That verse, that it's most simplistic, it teaches us that we're all broken. We have stuff that needs sharing. Now, again, I speak for myself. We're quite good at covering some of that stuff up. Might feel 
extremely exposed as we open up about that. But friends, that is what Jesus wants. Pride, it might try and stop us from sharing, but God already knows us each inside out. We're utterly exposed before him and he wants to use the church as a means of restoration and comfort in our lives. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill Christ's law of love. The verse is saying we're created to be dependent. Dependent on God and dependent on one another. And you can see this from another angle. You can see this from the angle of of Jesus hanging on the cross. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect somebody in their last moments hanging on a cross to be thinking about others, but that's our Jesus. That's what he does. And he sees Mary and he sees John. And you know what he says, right? He says, Mary, your son, and John, your mother, He's already thinking about family because he knows that they're going to need one another. And that's our God. He cares about his. He brings us into this close community. And I really don't want you to miss the opportunity to grow this weekend. Really don't. But I know that this kind of growth where we talk about our needs to one another, it can feel awkward. And when it's in a sped-up situation like this, it can feel a bit manipulated. Similarly, acknowledging our dependence on one another, it can feel humbling. And so I just want to kind of pause for a moment to address some of that awkwardness we might feel. Friends, firstly, we don't choose our family. Church is not a club It's a community, and community has been insightfully defined as the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. (laughs) That's church. We're called to walk alongside and share our lives with those who, outside of church, we might not have anything to do with. Church involves, therefore, an incredible amount of work and sacrificial service to others. And believe me, I know from reading the profile, from having many conversations with many of you over the last few weeks, that there have been some difficult days in the past few years, uh, particularly on the issues of race and diversity. And although it has been deeply personal and painful uh, for many of you, it's amazing where you've got to. Uh, I'm still in many ways viewing the church with the eyes of an outsider. And so I feel like I can kind of shed some light on what I see. When I'm walking down my lane, I can see loads of shops that only black people go to. I can see some bars that only white people go to. I can see some gyms that only young, sporty people go to. And then I see all saints. And it's different even from some of the church. I see some churches where only one culture goes, but then there's all saints. And it's a spectacle. Seriously, coming in as an outsider, people from all races, all colors, all nations, young, old, you're all together singing songs of praise to the Lord. It's amazing. 
And so I just want to kind of give you just a slightly different narrative on the last few years because I know it's been painful. But sometimes pain is needed for good to come out at the end. And I don't want you to miss the good. And I, I want to encourage you, us, I now say us because I'm a part of that church. Let's keep on pursuing this beautiful diversity in the church we call home at All Saints Peckham. It is phenomenal. Friends, when I've walked in the doors the last two Sundays, I've thought, wow, God, you're giving me a glimpse of heaven. Yeah, I know that there's been pain. And I don't want to belittle that at all in any way. But it is so phenomenal to see what I've seen the last few weeks. And we've just got to buy into that more and more. Recognizing that each and every person, young, old, black, white, whoever is made in the image of God and is deeply precious to him. You're a stone, not a brick. Um, the biggest challenge to that, friends, I think, is going to be individualism. We live in an incredibly individualistic society. Uh, we're told repeatedly, aren't we, look after number one, treat ourselves. The society seems to be telling us the whole time, you've got rights, right to happiness, right to comfort. And that kind of philosophy, sadly, you know, that impacts divorce statistics. If you're not happy, it's your supposed right, pack up, leave, find somebody else that will make you more happy. It's individualism. And it is a million miles away to what the church is supposed to be. In fact, we shouldn't even hear the words. And this is, this is where it gets a bit tough. We shouldn't hear the words, mind your own business in church. <laughs> because we're called to be one. Your business is my business. And my business, in all of its mess, is your business. Before we move on, in fact, we might end, end the session this way. I don't just want to talk and talk and talk. I'd rather allow the Holy Spirit to perhaps have his way with us. I wonder whether those who are able would stand. And we're going to try and form a big circle around this room. Okay, so it's going to get messy for a few moments. If you're able... Yeah, so just um, you're going to have to come round here, around the sides. Um, if you're not able, please just kind of sit near near the edge of the of the circle. It's a big circle, so you're all going to face inwards. So I'll stand in the middle here. This might take a few moments. Um, I recognise this is a bit cringe, but that's fine. As you may well have experienced, I do like a little bit of awkwardness. Oh, this is awesome. Okay. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I wasn't actually expecting you to be so, so good and quick at getting into a circle. Okay. Now, this is going to get just slightly more cringe. I'm sorry. Um, basically, what you've got into is a team huddle. So... If you are willing, just kind of put an arm around the person next to you. <laughs> okay. 
Awesome. So this is a team huddle, friends. When was the last time you did this? Never, some of you are saying. Some of you, you know, you might have been at school and it's taken you back to when you scored three goals in the under 11s and you were in a team huddle. Um, so I've already said I, I, I played rugby um, and I played rugby at a very high level um, and played, I've played on TV, I've played at Twickenham loads of times, I've played in front of 40,000 people and believe me, I'm not bragging, I say that because you might think, oh, you know, the, the, the top of your career, Greg, was was the playing in front of people and playing in front of big crowds. It wasn't. My favorite moment in any rugby match I've ever played was the team huddle before the match kicked off. I love team huddles. And I love that moment when the captain, you just have a bit of a squeeze and then the captain starts speaking and he gives you a pep talk and he says, look into the eyes of the people that you're playing for. Uh, I don't know about you, any rugby players in here, I would have loved, loved, loved to have played in the 2003 World Cup winning team. Martin Johnson, captain, and what a man he was. And when he started speaking, look into the eyes of the lads you're playing for, and then he'd go on, oh, I'm going to put my body on the line for you. And you knew that he would because he did it every single game. He was going to walk off that pitch battered and blue having given everything for his teammates. Friends, you're in a team huddle here. You have a captain. I'm not your captain. You might know that verse in Hebrews 2.10. talks about Jesus being the author of our salvation. In the KJV, it's rendered captain of our salvation. Jesus is our captain. And metaphorically right now, you're in this team huddle. He's the head of your church. He's your captain. He's looking into each of your eyes. And he's saying, look into my eyes. Because not only will I put my body on the line for you, I will lay down my life for you. I will pour out my blood for you. Do you know how loved you are? We spoke about that last night with the songs. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. Do you know how loved you are? Jesus, your captain striding out victoriously, courageously to face your death and your hell. He loves you so much. But then as you're in this team huddle, <laughs> he doesn't just say, look into my eyes. He says, look into the eyes of the people you're playing for. And so now you look around, and this is where it gets a bit cringe. <laughs> clock some eyes, clock some eyes, clock some eyes. <laughs> and then he keeps on speaking to you, and he says, this is my team. The person that you just looked at, will you fight for them? Will you love them? Will you pray for them? Regardless of all of the history that I spoke about a few minutes ago, from this moment on, will you be one? Will you be a team? We're going to have a kind of messy end now. In a moment, we're going to share the peace. But then after that, I just want to encourage you to do two things. Um, 
Firstly, I want you to find somebody you don't know. Um, and if there's nobody in the church that you don't know, well done. Full marks to you. Um, <laughs> find somebody that you don't know as well as you could. Okay? And you're simply going to go up to them and say, look, tell me a story. Okay? That's how simple it is. Okay? So you got, uh, in a moment, I'm going to give you the next 10 minutes. I want you to do that immediately. I don't want that to hang around and wait. But the other challenge, the other challenge, are you guys giving up with a cringe? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, the other challenge is to find somebody who you really do know well. Who you really do know well. And you're going to not necessarily go up to them straight away. But at some point in this weekend, you're going to go up to them and say, look, I've been thinking about you and I've been praying about you and I see this gift in you. And I just really want to encourage you to think about using it for the church. Because the church needs it. The church will blossom with this gift being put into practice. Okay, so there's two things. One, the person you don't know, tell me your story. That's in the next 10 minutes. And then the person that you do really know quite well, but you've maybe never said this kind of thing to over the next few days, You've been on my heart, and I just want to encourage you in this gift. You know when you try and share something, and the words just completely leave your <laughs> kind of cerebral cortex? Um, the words of the piece. <laughs> um, the, the Prince of Peace stepped into the mess, and <laughs> he comes to bring us peace. And so, <laughs> the peace of the Lord be always with you, and also with you. Let us offer one another a sign of peace. <laughs>